Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I'm your host, Ken Seymour. Today, I have a fantastic model. Uh, I have a fantastic baseball player. I have a fantastic actor. All of this in the single package of the unique Justin Berti. Berti. That's it. You said, you said it right. <laughs> Woo! It's... So, it's uh, I was raised with my name being said, Justin Birdie, 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 Birdie. Okay. My dad said it that way. Uncle Birdie. And during, um, I forgot what year the world cup was in, uh, Italy versus Brazil. I was in high school. I said, I took a sick day. I just wanted to watch the Italians beat Brazil, which they didn't, but there was a player, Nicolai or Nicola, Berti. I heard that Nicola Berti in the past. Nicola Berti, Berti. And I'm like, that's how we we're Italian. That's how we say our name. Why are we why are we making it Birdie? So when I went to college, I went to Columbia University, I introduced myself as Justin Berti. So everyone called me Berti, Berti, Berti on the baseball uh team, everyone. So when my dad visited and he heard all my friends going, Hey Berti, Berti, he's like, I love that. I go, Well, that's our last name. So when I do when I do uh, slate shots <clears throat> or the slate for auditions, I go, hi, my name is Justin Berti. And yes, you've got to roll the R's. I booked a job off of that slate. They're like, you just seem like a nice guy to work with the way you said your last name. Like, OK, that is fantastic. Uh, it doesn't work with my my last name. At, at best, I could maybe get some sort of German interpretation. Seymour, 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 Seymour. Oh, but so I wanted. I was wondering, and and I always try and do a little bit of research before getting into um, getting into an interview. And I've I've got a lot of questions for sure. Can, but can, uh, not to throw you off, did you yes. ever see the movie Avalon? I yes, I have. You remember they changed their name to Kurt and Kay because Kajinsky was too difficult, right. and the grandfather said, "It's a Kurt the K. It's not a candy bar. It's, it's Kajinsky." <laughs> and that's how. <laughs> and my dad loves that movie. That is that is an excellent yeah. film. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Well, you you have more than one name, and that's kind of where I was going with with the start. I I had to giggle just a little bit at your IMDb profile, and and I just have one one word with a question mark, and that was a uh, yoganator. The yoganator. <laughs> now now that is a name I haven't heard in a long long time. Said said it as Alec Guinness as Obi Wan Kenobi. Right. Now, that's a name because the yoganator I feel has a lot of strength. To my background so it'd be like if someone called you know oh, you know this guy obi-wan kenobi and, and you're talking to what, what was his name obi-wan's real name is oh ben <laughs> ben yeah ben so when you say yoganator it was it, it it came about i uh taught yoga and fitness at this incredible dance studio called fab academy in tokyo and i taught there for about six years six about six years and um the owners kike and brad fabulous couple wanted to kick uh, the kickoff party was every teacher has to show what they're going to do and some of these teachers already had students you know they're salsa groups and they're dancing and all this stuff and i'm like what kind of performance are you going to do as a yoga teacher with disco balls and music and all this and i go i know because I've done, I've done um, uh, stripping before, like in Magic Mike's groups, and Kike also taught me how to do a strip tease. Um, so I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to have someone body do body paint on me, like you know when you see in the in the in the doctor's office the muscles, right. that guy. I said just do yellow and um, red, like the blood vessels, and it's painted. Painted me up. I'm in underwear. I put on white tearaway pants that Kike made for me, a white jacket, and I come on with two <laughs> uh, yoga mats, like they're like there's bazookas, and I have the Bono sunglasses, and I come out oh. to the Terminator, <laughs> and I'm all stagnant, and I'm and I'm rigid with with power bands that I'm going like this, 
do, 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 do. And then I made the music change into a techno song. And all of a sudden my body convulses like the robot, the hard ectoskeleton that we all have is breaking down. And I take off my clothes and I'm telling the crowd, come on, come on. And I start doing a yoga um, flow. And I had a kid in the audience as my, as my plan. And um, I tried to do this amazing move where I go from downward dog into, I think it's the flying splits. And I go and I fall on my face and I ask the kid to, to give me something. And he gives me a power drink like Gatorade. So I drink the Gatorade, like that's gonna help. And I go and I fall on my face again. Then he comes and gives me a cookie that's called Balance Up. And in Japan, they have this cookie that's supposed to have protein and nutrition in it. I take a bite. I do it again, fall on my face. And I'm like, oh, no. And people are getting weirded out. They're like, is this guy for real? Uh. Then I say, I, I tell him, come here, give it one more thing. And he gives me an apple. And I show everyone the apple and they all know what's coming. I take a bite out of the true nutrition, true power. And I go right into that pose. And from there on... I was the yoganator teaching uh, uh, two yoga classes on Saturday, one fitness class called Stud, Sweat Till You Drop, S-T-U-D. And I built a wonderful community, and I had a blast doing it. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Now, when it says, you know, it's talking about the combination of the dance and, and yoga and everything, it says in martial arts, like, so the first thought, of, uh, I'm thinking, it's, okay, what martial art would blend into that? It's like, first thing, first thought is like, well, Tai Chi, possibly. But yes. I had, is that is that the direction that you went with that? Well, I learned yogic arts, which my master created. It's his own system. His name is Duncan Wong. And he was, I believe, a champion Korean kickboxer. So there were certain elements in the in yogic arts that you would see there was kicking, there were squats. Um, and he he was my inspiration to take his fun uh, martial arts, yogic arts experience and make it more into a dance where I would do choreography. So that's that's where, you know, Tai Chi, oh, yeah. serve, serve the tea, all this. I just did it this morning. Just did it this morning. Well, okay, so you're you're in Japan at this point. So I, I you've been yes. all over the place. You're originally from Connecticut. Yes. So, wow. What inspired you to start this journey? Because you know there are a lot of people that never move out of their original town that they live in, or if they do, they only move a, a few miles away. But yes. something something inside you sparked and says, you know, I, I'm going to I'm going to take a journey. What is it that got you moving in the first place? Got me moving with divorces. So it was out of my control. There's no problem. <laughs> divorces. When I was four, I went from Connecticut to Houston, then Houston to Laguna Beach, which was incredible. Then Laguna to New York to go to college. And then from New York to Tokyo. Now, what inspired that was I didn't choose Japan. Japan chose me. My, my mom is number one in my life. Number one person in life, only one I trust 100%. But when you take a male who graduates college, four years of independence, horny as shit, asks his mom, hey, mom, I want to be an actor. You're living in Laguna. Why don't you move in with me and we could take over the Big Apple? Well, <laughs> it all seems great. Uh, two bedroom, two bathroom place on the uh, upper, uh, upper West Side on uh, Central Park North. So far, so good. 9-11 happens. And when that happens, my mom couldn't get a job immediately. And because of that, it's like, well, I'm working as a caterer and, you know, an actor. That's not going to suffice. So we moved into a one bedroom, one bathroom, and you have a just a door separating my mom and I. And I'm like, OK, mom, I got to figure out a way to get out of this situation. You know, I love her. She paid for the acting classes. She paid for my movement classes. And coming into those those two stories is that my acting coach said Maggie Flanagan Meisner technique she's she's the Yoda of acting she saw right through all your bullshit she says you're a chest actor Justin everything is from here come on tell me what I need to do and she goes you don't feel it from your feet up now at that time I wasn't into yoga I'm like what's this hippy dippy shit feel it from my feet up I memorized lines I, I hit my mark I'm fine so I take a movement class, which I called feel, uh, be the tree class. Like, 
okay, you're a tree now. Feel the wind in your leaves. And I don't like, I, trust me, I don't like that shit too much. <laughs> I'm doing all this. And I'm so tired of hearing my teacher say, chest actor, you're too mu muscular, all this stuff. And I see on a bus stop, shiatsu massage, $30 for one hour. You call Yukiko. And there, and there we go. That's that's the story. I meet Yukiko. I tell her this is what my acting coach is saying. She's asking me about my relationships, where, who I live with. I'm like, isn't this just like, do I take off my clothes? And you start? No, she was all about the, the chakras. Mm -hmm. So I got my mom to go to Yukiko, got my aunt to go to Yukiko. And she, I kept seeing her and she would come to my plays and everything. And she sent out a brochure to all her clientele. Um, here's the New Year's specials, Valentine's Day specials, March specials. P.S. If you love children and are interested in Japan, I'm holding interviews for uh, English teaching job in the countryside. I was like, I can't live with my mom anymore. This is too, but I got to find a way to, to make money and then come back and get my own place. She had 700 people call her. She interviewed a hundred. They chose one person. Th that's me. Wow. That one year visa turned into 12 years. That's crazy. And Japanese is a rough language to learn for, for a lot yes. of people. And yes, how long did it take you to become, you know, how you comfortable so that you could have a passing conversation without for me? Cause I'd always be self-conscious just like, okay, I know I just okay. massacred. I think I asked for salmon, but I might've just insulted his mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it took me about a year to not not fluency but just to be comfortable because um what i guess people don't understand as i i think i have a photographic memory I'm, I'm not quite sure but i did shakespeare plays and that's a foreign language and i just memorized them so i would ask people how do you say my head is in the cloud your head is in the clouds they would tell me how do you say this how you would say that how do you say i learned it on the streets how did you how do you say I learned Japan on the streets, not in a book? And they would say it. I'd write it down and I would I would memorize it. And I don't I don't have much of a problem with making mistakes because I was teaching English at first and they are so afraid to make a mistake. I'm like, you're, you're inhibiting yourself by not speaking. Go ahead make the mistake. I'm here and I'm going to teach you how to say it correctly. So that's that's how it what really helped me was living in the countryside because most people couldn't speak English. I eventually moved to Tokyo where you would find people who spoke English. But at that time, at least I had enough of a base where I could teach yoga and fitness, both in Japanese and in English. And also for work, it, I realized if you spoke Japanese, you could get better commercial jobs. Yeah. And that's a great, mindset to have just in general uh, allowing uh -huh. yourself to make mistakes some of the best memories yeah. come off of mistakes yeah but uh so all right so you're in japan and you've got yourself you've got yourself rooted you've you've you found your place you're you're doing your thing I, i'm visualizing i'm trying to like seeing seeing how your path is going okay. and and it, it all sort of makes sense until i get to baseball so how oh. did how did that happen? <laughs> no, I'm seeing I'm seeing all the other pieces fall in line. It's like, oh, I'm getting acting jobs and I'm doing this. Now I'm playing baseball. So graduate Columbia University, no scouts looked at me. I was a good I I definitely had potential to be a major league baseball player. Um very I was a scrappy player. So just just think of that. I, I got on okay. base and that's what if if you were looking at moneyball. Yeah. That kind of aspect of it, you would look at my stats and go, he has a basically a 48 to 50 percent chance of just getting on to first because of how many walks I would get. But there's no scouts. And I remember the first year I'm in Japan, I'm watching a baseball game because that's all I could understand. I didn't understand what the commentators were saying, but I know the ball strikes. <laughs> okay, they score. So I'm watching. I'm looking at these fans. They have a song for each player. And I'm like, this is incredible. The, the just the jump in and jump. And I'm like, wait a second. It's the bottom of the ninth. The home team's down by five. And you guys are still that rowdy. 
I love it. I want to play here. So I said to myself, let me try out for a, a, a major league team in Japan. They have they have walk-on tryouts. I was I was teaching at this English school. They were so sweet to me. They said, hey, we'll drive you to Hiroshima to travel for the Hiroshima Carps. That's about a six-hour drive. They're so proud of me. I'm thinking, this is no problem. You have a test. You have to throw the ball 90 meters, and you have to run the 50 meters in a certain amount of time. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, that's not a problem. I'll, I'll pass that first step. Put on my number, and I'm watching the guys throw rainbows to make the 90 meters. I'm like, well, that doesn't show your baseball skill. Your rainbow, nobody throws rainbows. <laughs> They're throwing rainbows. And I go, I'm going to show them. I'm going to throw it on a on a line drive. I throw it 89 meters. Just a row. 89. I run, I run very fast, and I pass that test. So now that those two tests are done, they say, if you don't hear your number, please take off your number and put it in a pile. Well, my number didn't get called because I threw it 89, not 90. So I have my boss and her sister in the stand. I take off my number. Now, you have to understand <laughs> that in your lifetime, and I don't know what it's like to be picked last. I don't. So when I, I and and I was a I was a I'm trying to add everything into one thing, but <laughs> when I'm with my nieces and nephews and I see their friends and I'm the adult and I see who's going to be picked last and who they think is the weakest, I usually pick them second. I'm like, why are you picking him? He's terrible. I said, don't worry, because with my strength and his strength, we're going to conquer. I have to take off that number and put it in a pile. I'm like, holy shit! Oh my god, I'm not I'm not chosen. Right after that, we go to the Hiroshima Atomic Bomb Museum. Oh, that's that's a real lifting up of the spirit. Right. Seeing, seeing mannequins with melted skin on them. Yeah. I went into a depression for about three months in Japan. And my depressions are not going to be like other people's. My depression was like someone's great day. But it was a depression where like, shit, what's the meaning? What am I supposed to do? And I said to myself, I'm not going to let them tell me. I can't play baseball. So I found someone in the town who had a brother who played baseball. I'm like, let's set up this test. And you hit me, you hit me grounders and all this. And I live next to a middle school that had baseball um, nets and a little plate and they had rubber balls. And I would throw the ball up, let it bounce. And I would hit it, throw it up, hit it. This, this should be made into a movie. I, I would do this and I would look for balls and one morning, I saw a bucket waiting for me because the coach had seen me do that. He <laughs> says, do you want to practice with us? I said, yes, I'm trying to do the Hiroshima Carps um, test. I'm going to try out for the Giants as well. And they're like, oh, my God. So they treated me like a celebrity. And the, the next two tests, I passed. I did a great job. You get five pitches. And I was hitting rockets. But with Japan, they're only allowed three foreigners on the team. So, of course, they're going to get an ex-major league right. baseball player that hits bombs or a 6-3 pitcher that throws heat. Right. I had no chance in the beginning, but later on I made a uh, a semi-pro team because I saw on TV they were looking for good-looking baseball players. That's all it was. They just wanted good-looking baseball players as a kind of a promotion for the team. I passed and it was a good time. It's a good time. <laughs> so the Sorry, I could talk for days. Well, about that's this. that's just fine. The upshot is you did not become otaku. No, <laughs> did not become otaku whatsoever. Did you, while you were there, pick up um, an affinity or an interest in, in in any of the anime by chance? None whatsoever, except for the uh, Ghibli Studios. Oh. I watched most of those. Um, it just it was never an affinity of mine from the get go. Um, I can appreciate it. There are certain uh, I've, I, I'm forgetting the names of the things, but anything that was the cyber, the robots, I loved it because it reminded me of Terminator. So I could get into those. Yeah. The Ghibli ones were phenomenal, but no, I never got into cosplay or otaku kind of. Yeah, there's there there's there so many places in Japan that I've wanted to to visit for for a number of times. I have a lot of friends that have either been themselves or or from from around the area, and there's there's a. Uh, just just a wealth of uh, of culture what was your favorite p 
parts uh, or do you have favorite parts uh, from the time that you were there that you still remember fondly? It would probably be uh, Kusatsushi, which is the countryside where I first moved. Tokyo is wonderful. Tokyo shows Tokyo shows the world that a metropolis can work orderly. And the reason why, the reason why, folks, it's going to be this is going to be shocking. It's a, it's a homogenous society. Oh, really? Shit! How is that possible? They all follow the Japanese way, so that's why there's not trash all over the place and the subway works and it's clean and it doesn't smell like piss just people do their thing now yes there's tons of suicide because people want to break out of the shell and they're not allowed to because the culture won't let them so be it i loved kusatsushi lake biwa in the countryside that that country is about 70 percent green it's about 70 percent green wow and it's gorgeous food is incredible the people are incredible Going to an onsen, to a hot spring, in freezing cold, you can see Mount Fuji or a forest, then eating a fish that's flapping on your plate. These are these are the things <laughs> that make Japan Japan. Yeah, that, that there's 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 nothing quite like it. What brought you back to the United States? Um what brought me back was a uh, a visa problem. So that's that's the one thing that I would complain is that there is it is a bureaucracy bureaucracy and there's a lot of yellow tape. Um, it was basically I had um, I was under a translator interpreter visa, but I was acting and modeling, which is an entertainment visa. Right. Nor did I have a correct visa to teach to teach yoga. Um, and I said I didn't want to talk about politics, but think about in America. <laughs> You, you take you take and I was legal like I'm a legal immigrant. Right. I was a legal immigrant. That's a 12 year taxpayer with the proof that when they brought me into immigration to ask me questions, which which is nice. They just wanted to hear my side of the story. I'm showing 12 years of tax paying. You want me in that country. You need me in that country. <laughs> um, but but that was the thing is like, are you serious? You're going to you're going to kick me out on a technicality that you saw on Facebook. I'm teaching yoga, which I also pay taxes on. But it's because of that you're going to you're going to kick me out and then make me reapply. And the re the reapplication was a pain in the ass. You have to get a lawyer. I don't speak Japanese. It costs money. And that was basically saying, you know what? I'm going back to do what I really want, which is acting. But before that, it was every time I went to the theater in Japan and I saw a Hollywood film, I was salivating. I go, shit, I know I can do this. And, and, and it's, it's not bravado. But I know I could do what I'm seeing. And I had no outlets except for community theater in Japan. And it hurt me all the time to see you know, they have the same, they prop the same superstars in Japan all the time. They prop it just kind of, kind of like here, there's gotta be some kind of machine. Mm -hmm. And I go, well, as a foreigner, you only can reach a certain plateau. You're either, you know, a newscaster, you know, a spokesperson on these TV shows where you eat something wonderful from a different region in Japan and go, Oishi, Osuko, Kumecha, Oishi. And I'm like, that's not acting to me. Um, I killed it in the commercial game. I killed it in the musical music video game. I killed it in the modeling game. It was wonderful. But I wanted to be in movies. And if I was on a commercial or if I was on a TV show, I couldn't say, Mom, Dad, check it out at 8 o'clock. No. Now I got divorce bait. I got my mom watching it, my dad, friends and family, <laughs> high school people going, oh, my God, Justin, you, you're a comedian. This is great. That's why I came back. That's that's that is an excellent reason I I would say, I I had to wonder though too because it said not only did you play baseball while you were yeah. there, you also did some oh. announcing work announcing, Sim great story, I simply know the rules. I'm a baseball player, so I know what when there's a foul ball and strikes and how to how to tell you know, now batting number right. So right. this is my audition for that. I have a voiceover um agency i had about 12 agencies freelance uh talent voiceover agencies justin do you know do you can you do announcing for baseball game I'm like 
oh my god my whole life my my father and i have been mimicking bob shepherd <laughs> no matter wait wait no matter the short song number two Derek Gita. number two and my dad used to do this to get the echo like that doesn't do shit that he would do the echo so we used to uh rafael palmero um all these names because we love the yankees we love bob shepherd so the agent says all right you're gonna meet with the head of the sound of tokyo dome he wants to meet you at a restaurant just to go over some things do you know the game of baseball yes i played for one of the teams that you know he's like oh my god this is incredible he says just give me an example of naming someone to come up to bat i go okay now batting the right fielder number 51 ichiro suzuki you got the job done you got the job <laughs> so i go and i do the uh world baseball classic twice because it has to be in english because you have taiwan taipei china japan korea you needed it had to be in english i had no problem of course some of the names were kim sung you like that kind of, they were difficult and then major league baseball had these opening season series where they would travel to different countries and Japan happened to be, I, I think 2006 and eight, I can't remember, 2000, the Red Sox because of Daisuke, the pitcher, and right. against Seattle because of Ichiro, and then Oakland versus Seattle. So I got to announce a Hall of Famer twice in my life. I, I swear to God, I was with my agent, their batting practice, I nudged her, I said, don't tell them this. I would do this for free. I'll say it. <laughs> because I loved it. I had the pass. Right? I had the pass to go on the and I would I would pretend that I needed to know the pronunciation of certain people just to be close to the player. <laughs> I need to hear you say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You how do you say Ichiro Suzuki? <laughs> do that again. Uh, so how happy were you that you chose the announcer to to, to pattern yourself to, to love after instead of say like Harry Carey so, holy cow holy cow <laughs> I don't know if it would have gone over the story would not have been exactly the same yeah yep. but so do you think that in any way influenced uh, the, the part that you got to do voiceover for Mario Kart <laughs> so uh, it helped I think it helped and the Mario Kart thing I have people that contact me and I never got to experience it because I was in Japan when it was actually the arcade game here and one person has recorded every single comment that I did in that game really like and they think it's hysterical like wow this guy's on cocaine <laughs> I was like no it's it's a Japanese thing they want it over the top right um I have the energy I have the voice and I think my agent said, you know, he's also the announcer for the baseball game. So you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. So let's let's see what you can do. And, you know, Luigi in first, Mario in second. Oh, that's a shot shell. Um, oh. That was a great gig. Yeah, I, I have to say, I always, uh, I, you know, I've, I've never been quite as deep into video games as a, as a lot of uh, friends that I've had over the years. But there are a handful that I have enjoyed. And that is one of them. So Mario Kart, right? <laughs> Mario Kart, exactly. I, I love that that game because you could be in last, and it gives you a chance. To, <laughs> you know, you get that star at the end. <laughs> uh, I I remember the original days. Uh, I still have uh, stories from playing friends and family back in the. Um, uh, Nintendo 64 days where they had the Mario okay. Kart 64 and there were certain maps that that's like yeah we don't want to play you on that map because I just I played dirty it was whatever yeah. I was watching wherever you were it's like oh you're about to jump and you're shrunk <laughs> into the divot you go extra oh, lap that's awesome <laughs> uh, See, that's good I never used that strategy I never it, there's a lot of little silly things that you can do and yeah. and uh, but I that's had to awesome. had to let up so that people would still play me <laughs> So, all right. So, I have to say one other thing too. And talking about the research to, before we talk to you. Wow, I, I'm impressed. So, anytime you do a web search on somebody, you never kind of know what's going to come up. You know, you look for yeah. any little tidbits you get. And I have to say, uh, there is a specific 
specific website term that's in like the top 20 uh, of you go. If you look up your name, uh, the yeah. tagline on the site is sexy men, celebrities, male pantsuit. <laughs> okay. So that's... it's like pantsuit. There has to be, it has to be a modeling thing. So the, did you like, did you like model Armani suits or something? Pantsuit? Yeah, it, I'm not. I'm not sure where they went with that. That is the craziest thing I've seen in in any model I've ever done a search on. It's like just was. Pant- was there a picture? There is a picture of you. Absolutely. If you what? if you get a chance, just Google Google your la- name. It is in the top twenty search results. Wow, pantsuit. Yep. Was it a good picture? It was a great picture of you. It was just. It was just what? kind of weird. It just had you shirtless with like suit pants. Oh, it could have been yoga pants, and it comes from the TV show Submission. Ah, that would make so sense. Sum- Submission, Submission was extremely erotic, very risque. It was battling for viewership of those that were unhappy with the Fifty Shades of Grey series. Ah, I was wondering. Jackie St. James was the director. I'm, I moved from Japan to Laguna. From Laguna, I went to L.A., and within six months, I'm on Showtime <laughs> in this series, which I'm, I'm very proud of. And to this day, people say, is there going to be a season two? Is there going to be a season two? Is there going to be a season two? Well, Show, Showtime has a history yeah. of the uh, very uh, some some fun, naughty shows all the way back to the Red Shoe Diaries. Uh, if you yep, Red Shoe Diaries. David Duchovny so that's what, guy. They were competing with that, and I, you know, I don't know um, – I don't know the other shows, but I know that they cared about the production quality. Jackie Jackie cared about my acting and the narrative where I was doing my own thing. And she's like, no, this guy is a dom. He doesn't need to move. He doesn't need to tell. It's just with a look, he's going to tell her we're not doing that. And we're not. And look, it 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 got a green light for a second season. But things fell apart oh. as as they usually do. And we were in, I don't know what the, the uh, what is it called when you want to see the ratings of shows? Oh, the uh, uh, the uh, Nielsen's, are you talking about? We were in the top 20. And that was getting traction. It, this show was getting traction. And that's the reason why Showtime's like, we're going to green light, you can get a second, you can get a second uh, season. Man. But there was just, there were conflicts with actors not wanting to do certain things and um yeah i'm extremely i'm extremely proud of it that's uh well and so okay when you say that this was trying to appease the fans of say 50 shades of gray for those of our listeners that are not familiar with uh that particular um story because you know it's yeah. it's it's a, it's an it's a niche it's a sub genre what was it that that show was trying to accomplish that say the films didn't if I can remember correctly, what Jackie was trying to express to me is wanting to shed a light of what real BDSM life is. And I think in Fifty Shades of Grey, in the first movie, he has her sign an NDA. And you say there, there's nothing more masochist, masochistic or male chauvinist or just wrong with having a woman sign an NDA. Like, I'm going to fuck you up and you can't say anything about it. That's not what BDSM is. It's um, what I learned. It was a, a ritual, a ceremony that is basically around the one that is the uh, the the ma- the masochist, the, usually the female. In, in this sense, it's it's we're going to do something that turns me on, but also has to turn you on with a safe word, so forth and so on. And I think people were expecting more from the movies as more a more eroticism they called it mommy porn we weren't doing porn it was very suggestive most people think that we're actually having sex which means our acting was phenomenal but there was no (laughs) penetration there's no sex whatsoever it's not it was not pornography it was erotica it's it's and that's what we were yeah that's what we were trying we had a we had a dominatrix on set to tell us the rules and how someone would hold and what would be okay. And, you know, there were certain things that I was doing to the the female lead um, that I thought would hurt. And they're like, Oh no, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt at all. That's, that's, that's crazy. Um, 
Now, that what I've seen so far is, is a lot of times actors get kind of pigeonholed into a, yeah. a specific type of role. And so far, from what we've talked about, there's no pigeonholing. But I have seen a certain predominance of villains. Do you prefer to play villains or do you prefer to play the protagonist? I know, I know my, um, I know my strengths and it's usually the dark, mysterious, probably going to be the murderer villain. <laughs> and I, I, I get it. So when I see the script, it's like, don't hold back. Don't hold back. Go. I want, I need to pay rent. So <laughs> give them what they want, <laughs> give them what they want. And that's, and that's why divorce bait means so much to me Let's because I was given a direction, chance. Right? Yeah. I was given the chance to do comedy, which I'm hired 80% of the time in a commercial for a comedic role. 80% all commercial. And I think that's from Japan. I'm not afraid to make a fool of myself. You're like, Oh, wow. And so those auditions sometimes have to be out there, but now the, now the new the keyword in commercials is subtle. We need subtle comedy. We need subtle, subtle this, subtle that. You're about to buy the car, but buy it subtly. That that makes no sense. You've, no pointing. You've got Look thirty seconds. You've got thirty seconds. There's no subtle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so okay, so this comedic side. But go ahead. Go ahead. You were just you. you but you nailed it. I play the villain most of the time. And that could just be the dark features. Um, and I don't, and I, I can be passionate and, and, and be very cruel in the face and in the tone of voice. Uh, Cause I'm not, I'm not, I know I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling evil and there's no boundaries. So how could an actor not have fun as the villain? There's no boundaries. The protagonist has to stay in a box. And I think that was the whole Batman thing, right? The Joker yep. knew you you're not gonna hurt, you're not gonna kill me because you have to bring me in front of justice. When you talked about Shakespeare being its own language, I mean that's a, a great example. All of the best parts in Shakespeare were all the villains. I mean, and, uh, who, oh my God, who was I in uh, King Lear? The Ill illegitimate son, it's not Edmund. Oh my God, I forgot the name. Oh, I'm, uh, nah, it's wow, contagious. Oh shoot, damn. Oh my God! When you say it, I don't have my resume in front of. Me. But you know, it's it's one of those. Well, I, the example I was going to give is like I I love Merchant of Venice. Shylock has the best monologues. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah, he's the villain, but he's the most fun to play. It gives you yeah. so much yeah. range to play with. What's yeah. what's been your favorite villain so far that you have portrayed? So Elliot and submission would be is up there because it was so weird that people would fans would say, I, I, I'm waiting for an Elliot. I, I want an Elliot in my life. I'm like, no, you don't. Uh... You, you really don't because he's a slimy guy. So that was that was fun to play. And then a, there was a recent Lifetime movie I did. Director Lindsay Hartley. Let me have a blast with it. And she didn't want to truly stay in this lifetime box that most of the lifetime movies I've done, I've had to stay in the box. She said, you know, have have fun with this guy. And the reason why is um, you find out I'm the villain about 25 minutes into it. I'm like, because I was reading the script, I'm like, there's no mystery. I said, then let me let me go full full on with this guy. She says, no problem. And so she let me I'm, I'm going to say that this guy, Anton. When you see when you see the movie, uh, it's right now called Va Vacation Nightmares. It will probably change, probably coming out next year. I just did ADR for it. I have three Lifetime movies coming out next year. Wow. I'm not going to give away too much, but they're all thrillers, and I'm I'm going to be playing some <laughs> bad dudes. But like like said, that that can be where a lot of the fun is. So it, when, yeah. when it's 25 minutes in, you don't have to worry about mysteries, just all at that point about suspense, what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's what I, I, I said to Lindsay. I'm like, wait a second. I've been so used to having to play a guy that the audience has to think, 
has the potential to kill. Wait, no, he did this thing that was nice. Wait, is he? No, look, he's a father. He couldn't. <laughs> All these things. This one, I'm like, this is odd how it's being. So let me just go full on with this. And I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. So in, in Divorce Bait, being able to have the, the, the comedic side uh, portrayed, it made me wonder. Uh, rom-coms are, are kind of, um, some people have described it, uh, friends of mine have described it as junk food. I don't like it, that analogy perfectly, but it's like comfort food. It's things that you can go back to. It just makes you, uh, it makes you feel a certain way. But specifically, when you get that comedic element of it, it gives you a, a, a chance to go in some really ridiculous directions. So this is a long setup to a very simple question. In terms of comedy, who do you feel uh, are your favorite influences in, in your acting technique for, for whatever comedic uh, role that you're going to go to? Do you look to like the the classics, like a Buster Keaton, if you're going to go for some slapstick, okay. or or do you uh, do you think something more contemporary in terms of of comedic influences? Okay, did you see the movie? I have seen the, bits. I have not finished bits. it yet. Okay, okay. Um, right now, I go to Steve Carell, and the reason why is because I think all great comedians. Robin Williams had this ability too. I'm just going with someone who's alive right now. Right. Is the ability to make you laugh and cry within within a scene. I believe Robin Williams and Steve Carell can make you laugh and cry within two lines. Oh yeah. That's my goal in life. Will I ever reach that? I have no clue, but holy crap. And I and I'm just going by the office. I'm a late, I'm late to a lot of things because I lived in Japan so long. My girlfriend introduced me to The Office. We've watched it now. I think we've watched it three times from beginning to end. And people can say, well, don't you have a life? Don't you want to live life and see the, the sun and, and surf and all? And you're right. But as an actor, that's a class for both of us to watch because you're picking up on so many uh, things. Now, of course, a handheld camera. I still have never done anything like this. A handheld camera being able to break the fourth wall adds a lot and helps actors out I truly believe that but i just watched steve carell do dr drama and then the comedy and the drama and the and he knocks it out so i love that paul rudd another one just incredible um robert downey jr and i'm just trying to think but right now it, it would be i don't act like steve carell not even close but that's that's the goal because in divorce fate, we do have dramatic scenes. And that was something I loved about the writing that Christina Nava did and the direction of Patrick. They, they, they're, they're husband and wife and there's gotta be heart. There's gotta be heart in a rom-com in order for us to care. Yeah. If there isn't heart or a true conflict, then no one's going to care. Definitely. So, yeah. You know, I, I got to go with you on that, Steve Carell. He's yeah. he's he's immensely talented. Uh, uh, one another of my go-to films, uh, The Big Short, that he is in, has that both sides of the coin right there. Yeah. Uh, for those of us that have been watching movies maybe a little longer than others, on the Robin Williams side, The World According to Garp, it will. Uh, will I've not seen that one. That'll get you. But that'll get you every time. Fisher King. Yes. Yes. Fisher King. Uh, good, uh, good morning, Vietnam. Well, yeah. We could go on and on right. <laughs> with Robin Williams shit. It's incredible. That's what I... So people say, what's your goal? I'm like, to make someone laugh and cry in the same right. film. Uh, awakenings. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what is your favorite, your favorite memory from making Divorce Bait? They got me a, wow, I didn't know this would affect me like this. They got me a trailer with my name on it. So sweet. This is like a, a trailer. This was, this was during the pandemic, low budget. It's a, oh, what happened? Well, we lost your video there for a moment. Okay, hold on for... one second. Are we back? We are back. All and right, we're back. Sorry. 
Got me a trailer. This is very low budget. They made me feel like a star. They made me feel very worthy because they did. They were afraid that they wouldn't get good talent for the non-union project that they were putting. They wanted it to be SAG. I'm FICOR, everyone. Okay, <laughs> go ahead, shoot me. You know, I gotta eat. Right. So, um, they didn't think they were gonna get amazing talent. They got amazing talent throughout the whole effing ensemble. The ensemble is incredible. Um, yeah. So the fact that they gave me this, this little extra trailer and stuff. Here's what I, what my favorite memory is. I didn't use it. I wanted to be around set and the people because they were incredible. They treated us like a, a little family, mostly filmed in Patrick and Christina's house. And it was so much fun just to hear people riff with their um, improv and, that would be my favorite go, showing up every day. I was looking forward to it. Um, seeing the talking about the talent on, on yeah. this particular project, uh, there, there are some, there are some people that have had um, a wealth of experience that you have, have worked with. So I've got kind of a two part question. One part's to do specifically with this film and the other is kind of more general, but specifically, was there anybody in the the creation of the project that you were in a scene with and you were ready you're ready for it. you've you've prepped you've got your lines everything and then they picked a interpretation that maybe took you took you for a loop where you just go wow that's that's i hadn't thought about that i i, I went and then it let you kind of take it in a different direction also i was working with two great improvisational actors uh joe nunez nunez joe nunez who's been in many films and uh greg roman it's greg right i I don't have my greg roman they were my sidekicks in it and they were allowed to riff on most every scene and this is where i remember having lunch one time and asking both both of them the three of us would hang out at lunch i'm like just Give me some pointers on improv because that's not my forte. I mean, I'll, I'll tell any casting director I can improv because what, what the hell? It's freaking acting. Right. I'll improv. It might not be what you see at Second City or anything like that. But I was saying, what are the do's and the don'ts? And they were giving me some 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 uh, pointers. But they're they're clever. They their their minds work differently than mine. They just do. And I'm, I'm able to say that and say, God bless you both. It's incredible. So those were the times where, you know, I had to keep a straight face because we're getting to this point. I know he's going to rift and hear something new. And I'm like, oh, boy, oh, boy. And that just was a blast. That was a blast. That seems seems freeing almost. Uh, yes. So- and Patrick allowed us that that's that's. That is uh, a creative collaboration that I believe all directors and actors should have, regardless if it is a fact, you know, a, a lifetime movie or a Hollywood film or a short film. Didn't you hire us because you saw something in the audition? And didn't you hire us because you believe we're creative individuals just like you are? Now, I know you're not going to get that kind of collaboration with Cameron Crowe, Right, <laughs> probably, probably not. not. But and and, and then in, you, you, he could say right, rightfully so. Look what I do. Just let me do my thing. You just know your lines. Okay, I don't mind that either. I don't mind that either. But it's fun when an actor's having a problem with maybe just one word. Can I change this word instead of saying, "Oh my gosh"? Can I just say, "Jesus Christ"? It would it would bring out something else in me. Can, can I say that? Uh, well, yeah, sure. Great. Wonderful. Um, can we take out this line? It doesn't really make sense. Great. Wonderful. So, so you, so you are able to have that kind of natural, uh, delivery so that it can kind of of come across that way. So the second part of the question is everything about what we do, whether we're actors, whether we're whatever it is we do, we're constantly being affected by the people around us and being informed on our experiences. Through the different sets that you've been 
involved in, different productions that you've been involved in. Do you have uh, somebody that you worked with that either was just, you know, somebody you've always wanted to work with or that you didn't know from Adam that you just were able to glean uh, a piece of wisdom that's stayed with you from from the point that you worked together? It's like, man, that the way that this, this actor did this, the way that this uh, producer did this, I... I will remember that. I'm going to have that always. It was John Henry Richardson. John Henry Richardson plays a dirty cop in the movie that's going to be called Toy Gun. So if anyone's watching Toy Gun, it will be coming out next year after we film some extra scenes. It's been six years, this movie. And it's worth it. It's won plenty of awards to validate how good it is. Best, Best foreign film at the London International Film Festival. I flew out for that. Nice. The director, Jake Armbruster, said, you're going to love John. I, he, I just got back from Tokyo. Okay. This was, I, it was basically my fifth audition and maybe my third thing doing since I moved to L.A. I came with the mindset of I was a very strong actor in Japan, stronger than anyone else I knew there. I'm going to do the same here. Okay going to be the same no justin it's not this is the big leagues (laughs) and there's a lot of people that know more and have done more than you john being one of them so we have the scene where he's coming in he's a friend of the family i don't know how dirty it is yet we've just had my brother has been arrested and he's going to take care of the situation for the family i'm writing in my schedule book and he enters the scene well, there's a pool table and he takes one of the pool balls and he rolls it. He goes, yeah, you, your father and I, you know, we had so many discussions in this room, something like that, man, there's a lot of memories and he's rolling. Now, remember that when you get a script, all you actors out there, it doesn't say he rolls a ball. He chose to do that. And when I saw that sweat starts coming down, I'm like, oh shit, this is a real actor. <laughs> this is, this is, this is the stuff that I didn't know that you're allowed to do. You're allowed to bring something that wasn't there. That's what the director wants. So he's talking to me and I go, wow, he brought my acting up a level. And then after that, he would tell me about, you know, find your lighting, know your light. There's going to be certain actors that are going to cover you because they want it to be about that. And he starts giving me these old stories of um, certain soap opera stars that always wanted to have the last line even if his character had the last line and he's just the supporting role they would throw something in he's like just be be wary of that and i was like wow this is he was just a such a delight to work with man that 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 sounds like just it sounds like a a, a well a breath of fresh air if, if nothing else now I, I did have a question about this film specifically uh, yeah. Any relation to Joel? Joel Berti? Me? Yes. Joel Berti? There's a That's Joel. My paisan. <laughs> we share the same blood. That's my that's my brother from another mother. That's my first cousin. Oh, uh, I I saw it's like I, it could be, but you know I don't want to assume. Oh, we are anything. we are definitely Berti boys. <laughs> we are definitely Berti boys. He's he's the he's my first he's my first memory as a human being was seeing him as Willy Wonka. It's weird how kids memory our memories. Seeing him in Willy Wonka is my first memory as a human. Just remembering him, oh, it's just you know your family going, that's Joel, that's Joel. He's Willy Wonka. He comes out in the crank the, the cane, does his summer stall. People love it. And then watching how back in the eighties they did uh Mike, TV Mike shrinking. Right. Uh, they had a they had a, a big fl- uh, light and a screen and the kid walked away and, and I'm thinking, he's shrinking, he's shrinking. Because <laughs> I, was, I was, what, three years old or something? But he's, Joel is an incredible acting coach, one of my mentors who I'm looking at his, his career as I'm in New York, as I'm in Japan. He's like, I'm on silk stockings. I just got on uh, Fashion House. I'm getting close to this one. I'm getting close to that one. And then I moved here. He told me where I need to move. He got me my first commercial agent. We start to, you know, helps me with auditions. And I I helped him with Frontera. I'm like, Joel, let's, I want to work. 
That's awesome. They need someone to play this character. Let's do it. Oh, oh, well, okay. I, I, I better, I better get to this before I forget about it. It's uh, okay. as, as we wind down, there are a couple questions I always ask everybody that's on the show. Just uh, part of part of it is the type of podcast we do. We we absolutely love pop culture, especially movies and films. But we often deal with the intersection of comic books and film or comic books and television are you a comic book fan at all comic books in general no i collected some of the marvel cards when i was into baseball and football cards uh i remember punisher i would i uh was there a not a wolverine but another lobo lobo okay so these were things where i was just thinking i want them to be able to sell for a higher price later on um, I never read comic books, but you know the the Supermans and the superhero movies. I, I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoy um, w- when they weren't so consistent. Right now, it seems like oh, I, I I'm I'm truly nervous about a virtual world mm. because we're watching movies that look like an effing video game. So that means you can take Justin Berti out of it. Yeah. And I don't want Justin Berti or other actors or humans out of anything. I love Return of the Jedi and Jabba the Hutt. That was an actual puppet. It's mastery. Yeah. Dark Crystal is effing mastery. Beautiful. Jim Henson is a genius, guys. Mm-hmm. I dare you not to get on your computer. Just make it with your hands. I know it costs a lot of money, so I just think it's this push, a push, a push. Um, I still love all the Batman stuff that comes out. I even love the, the last one. Um, I didn't get through all the Iron Mans. The first one was wonderful. Um, but I get nervous of – I'm watching. This is not – it's not Robert Downey Jr. It's a it's a CG image of him doing this and that. With a little I enjoyed flash Shazam. Once in a while, yeah. I, I enjoy it, but there's a there's a time, and, and that's what art is, guys. It's subjective, so I'm allowed to have that opinion. Oh yeah, and there's people that are allowed to think that Marvel is is the next thing. That's no more. We don't because how are you going to get people to a theater to watch a drama now? And that is sad to me. I I I I'm not too worried about it. I'm a huge fan and it, so this this for me is like I am living the dream having collected yes. comics and this yes. is this is great, but I also I I know movie history and there there is this is this is nothing new. There's always the the thing that's going to last for a while and it will fade. I mean, I remember when when it was the western. The westerns were the dominant storytelling type and you would have just absolute scads of westerns being made but eventually that faded because the interest just dropped off and it went somewhere else well, look what came back what's a fa- what's a really popular tv show right now <laughs> would that be are you talking about westworld <laughs> no yellowstone yes <laughs> I, I, I was having oh, some fun oh. looking. <laughs> bastard <laughs> was, we're going sci-fi right sci-fi <laughs> Uh, but you know, eventually we'll, we'll get back there. But I looking at, I always like to imagine the people that I talk to, who would I cast them as and who would they love to be? And, Mm. you know, if you're not a comic book person, you may not have that person that you would always love to portray, but. Well, since I, since I look like Tony Stark, according to everyone, I, I, Robert Downey Jr. Since I was 10 years old, that would have been amazing role. Yeah. Still human. This business guy who has, you know, that that is he is he good? Is he bad? Right. At first, yeah. what does he do? And then uh, the here. God, I would love to have done that. Um, but then I guess right now would be villains. Well, you you could do villains. There's a, a fun character that has not been explored yet. Again, it's a lot, a lot of times it's me just kind of knowing some of it. Back in the 2000s, there was a character they brought in actually to the Avengers uh, with uh, they're they're trying to they often try to create um, characters that have different backgrounds because they do want that readership. It's like there are not a lot of Latino heroes. We need to create a Latino hero. And one of the ones they created was Living Lightning. 
and he had a great look, you know, nice power set, a, a potential for some really interesting background discovery. And they, I don't think they ever really did as much with him as they really should. But I look to you, it's like, ooh, I could, I could see living him going li- for Living Lightning. Love it. Love it. <laughs> I like that name, too. It's alliteration. You can never go – well, usually can't yeah. go wrong with alliteration. All right. Also, well, also, just with these movies, we know these actors are getting paid astronomical prices. So, right. you know, would, would I turn to be a fan if I got hired? Yeah, because I'm looking for something that gives me financial freedom. So, I, and, and I would try to put as much soul into it as possible. I, I don't want to stunt double right? in, in the things I do. I, 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 if I'm going to fall, let's make it so that I can fall and get hurt, you know, with being safe. And, I, you know, I've done, I've done the motion capture before. I did it in Japan. And those are for video games. But film, I just, it's, I'm going to see Avatar tomorrow. So I know I'm going to be watching a video game tomorrow. Yeah, I'm I'm in the, I'm in the minority on the Avatar bunch. Uh, all, a lot of my friends are like, yeah, Avatar. Remember that was so amazing. Is it? And I always joked about it. it's like it's just space Pocahontas. It's it's nothing. <laughs> nothing. It's just beat for beat the exact same story. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't need to see everything in blue. Space Pocahontas. <laughs> but, That's awesome. But. Uh, my final question, you know, uh, sure. everybody loves pudding. We we c- kind of chose that that name for a reason because one thing that brings everybody together often is food. So, yes. one of the questions that we often ask is, uh, "Are you a pizza guy? And if you're a pizza guy, what kind? Are you a New York slice? Are you deep dish Sicilian? Are you kind of a, a California different kind of a design? Where do you go pizza wise?" Pizza-wise, I like to make my own. I uh, There's a movie called 29th Street, Danny Aiello. Uh, it's, it's my second favorite movie of all time. I know that's a weird one, but it just is. Danny Aiello and um, Tony Lapagiali. I should be able to say his last name. I don't. Lapaglia. Lapaglia. Tony. Is it? Is it? What's his name? Uh, I, think, and, I think you got it. Um, I'm, Tony? Yeah, that sounds love, right. I'm, I'm spacing at this yeah, moment. I love the actor. Anyway, there's a scene where... He keeps buying the abits. That's what they call pizza. They keep he keeps buying. He's like, "How much did this cost you?" And he goes, "You know how much it costs to make it? It's like fifty cents. I'm I'm not going to pay eighteen times more what it costs." And he keeps trying to make these pizzas that taste terrible. So I'm health conscious. I don't want to pay. I mean, in I, I live in Larch near Larchmont and has Larchmont Pizzeria, mm-hmm. which is incredible pizza. But you 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 guys are going for something that's like on the Jersey boardwalk. It's it's it. The flour is not going to make you run, run the mile better, and it's just like it's shitty ingredients. But that's what you love to taste. Right. I like to make my own pizza. As um, uh, I like a lot of red sauce, uh, mozzarella, fresh basil, um, a little garlic, some peppers, and then prosciutto on it. I I'll, I'll even do this one. I did it for my girlfriend the first time. She thought I was nuts because I learned it in Japan. You do all those ingredients, but then you put tuna fish like in a circle because they do tuna fish pizza. Tuna fish, okay. you're gonna make, you're gonna cook it, and you put an egg in the middle so that it cooks. Oh, um, and it's, good. I think it's delicious. But some people are like, are you kidding me? Uh, D- there's no wrong ingredients. Yeah, yeah. So definitely a pizza guy, but I like to try to make it as healthy as possible. I, I like it. I, I I would like to say I eat healthy. Uh, but I try not to lie. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. How would any of our listeners uh, best follow you so that they can know exactly what your next projects are going to be? Do you have a social media that is your best place to go? Best social media is Instagram, Justin Berti. <laughs> and then I don't do Twitter that much, Facebook. Um, I, I don't even know what my name is. Like, I think it's the Yoganator or just look Justin Berti up. You'll see, you'll, you'll see this face, but Instagram is the best way. Um, I, I, I appreciate every new fan that comes into my life. I answer almost every fan that contacts me. Um, but I would truly appreciate any of you to see divorce bait. The reason why is because we're in a time, I think that people 
want to just be entertained, not right. be told what to think, have some kind of political agenda behind it, have to feel a certain way. Divorce bait is a freaking good time. That's all it is. And that's what I'm getting back from fans, friends, and family. Just like, oh my God, I laughed and just enjoy it. You're gonna you're gonna feel good afterwards. I, I think that you you hit the nail on the head. This is a chance for us to all enjoy it. Everyone go see this film. And uh, hopefully when you have another project, you'll come back and talk to us again. Thank you, Ken. I, I And I appreciate, well, I truly appreciate all the background work you did. This was, in, this was incredible. I felt like I was on the, oh my God, what's that British, uh, or, or um, Hot Wing, uh, Hot Ones. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> the I, I, the competition. We, you just brought up some stuff. I was like, whoa, Yoganator, <laughs> Tokyo, Japan. This was incredible. Mario Kart, what? We, we love it. We love Thank it. Thank you. Thank you Thank again. You, Appreciate this. <laughs>